Mark the time, those who have great wisdom tell us. Well, we are doing so today in honor of the 250th anniversary of when the first Universalist sermon was delivered on this continent. Now, when talking about a moment of Unitarian Universalist history, especially from like a couple of centuries ago, it can be hard to convey the significance of that moment or its relevance to ours. So I want to begin with the end, if you will, why universalism matters and why it matters now. What are we striving for? We heard from the late Elandria Williams for our meditation, and I want to turn to them uh, for another moment here. They were someone who knew uh, energy and passion and commitment to this faith. And what Alandria said to us included, what is lifting up my spirit is holding that I am unbound. What is lifting up my spirit is that I will break the chains. What is lifting up my spirit is that I am deserving of 100% of radical love, care, and worthiness, and I will accept nothing less. This contemporary voice, now an ancestor in our Unitarian Universalist tradition, is calling us to realize how much it matters what we profess, what we believe, and what we live by. Being deserving of 100% radical love and care and worthiness and not accepting anything less, that matters to our hearts and to those for whom are impacted by how we act that out in the world. It matters to me, and it matters, I know, to you, and it matters to our children. It matters to the people outside of this congregation and this living tradition. This strength, this high expectation, this freedom is what happens when we dream and when we do the hard work of creating a covenantal community based on trust and hope and respect. The theologies and behaviors that have weighed down the human experience that have interfered with us letting our light shine often do so by diminishing and negating our worth and our freedom and our potential. The liberal religious endeavor offers another possibility. So let me tell you one story of how we got here, how some of that possibility arrived in this land. Now, all stories are true, they say, and some actually happened. This story is our one and only UU miracle story, and it actually happened. So let's begin. Now, Thomas Potter was a farmer on the coast of New Jersey in the mid-1700s. And typical of his time, he was a religious person, probably a Quaker Baptist, and he could not read. But instead, he listened to preaching. Uh, to those who would read the Bible to him as well, and he thought about all that he heard. 
even in the middle of that rural land. I mean, this is sparsely, sparsely populated in New Jersey at this time. There were these new ideas that were coming, including universalism, with a, a little u, if you will. The belief that all will be saved after death, that there is no eternal suffering. This is the Christian universalism based on the teachings of the Bible. Now, when Thomas Potter was hearing these messages and studying and thinking about the Bible for himself, he leapt on this thought and wanted to know more, to the point where his wife became rather fed up with his bringing home the people and the conversations about this new idea. She told him, after a certain point, that he needed to find someplace else to meet all of these people. And it was then that he built a chapel, a space to welcome the person who would speak of the goodness and love of God. So Thomas Potter built this chapel, and he waited. At the same time, in England, John Murray was at the end of his capacity for despair. He left the Church of England and was then kicked out of the Methodist Church for preaching on these ideas of universal salvation. And unfortunately, his child and his wife also died after being ill for a long time. The debt for their care resulted in his being thrown into debtor's prison. He had lost everything. And so with nothing left to lose, Murray departed his native land for the new world and the colonies. He vowed to have, he also vowed to have nothing to do with religion and never preach again. His ship was called the Hand in Hand, and it was delivering goods to New Jersey before making its final destination in New York. Uh, in the course of navigating the inlets, the transfer vessel ran aground with Murray and some of the sailors. The hand-in-hand -hand had to leave and left the men stranded. Now, Murray encountered Thomas Potter in the search for supplies. And Thomas Potter greeted the stranger. He said, come, my friend, I have longed to see you. I have been expecting you for a long time. So when Thomas Potter learned of John Murray's past ministry, Potter was convinced that this was the preacher he had been waiting for. But John Murray didn't want to have anything to do with Thomas Potter's chapel. Murray just wanted to leave when the wind changed. And at that point, Thomas Potter predicted, the wind will never change, sir until you have delivered to us in that meeting house a message from God. The wind will never change. Now finally, they agreed that if the wind had not changed before Sunday, John Murray would indeed preach in the meeting house. And in the morning of, lo and behold, he did. The morning of September 30th, 1770. He gave the message on universal salvation to Potter and his neighbors. And so it goes. 
the moment he completed the sermon, one of the sailors came up and told him that the wind had changed. The moment he finished his message, the wind changed. There's the miracle. Now, the men left for New York, but Murray later returned, actually, to Potter's Chapel and continued this as a first ministry in this new land. He went on to be one of the strongest voices in early universalism, uh, and without him, the next generations would not have had such a prepared place. The miracle usually told is that Thomas Potter's prediction about the wind uh, not changing until the message is given. But there's moments when I find uh, the miracle might be in that first welcome of Thomas Potter seeing John Murray and beginning with, come my friend, I have longed to see you. I have been expecting you for a long time. As if Potter somehow knew who this person was coming to him from the very moment they saw each other. Potter showed that kind of unflinching welcome and invitation even before Potter knew anything about John Murray. He, Potter welcomed anyone of any faith to conduct their practice on his land. I think that is the heart of the Universalist message, this welcome. It is that courage to risk that message of love. Potter understood that what connects us is greater and more important than what in this life divides us. And so he welcomed John Murray. He built this chapel knowing someone would come who would change the world. So too, building that church from Thomas Potter's decision to build that church, the world is not what it used to be before it existed. It would not, was not, and was not the same. We are not the same for it. We gather together uh, as a part of that legacy of that welcome and that readiness to be so inclusive and to hear about a message of love. He demonstrates that readiness, Potter does. He practices his faith, one of the best ways to develop and strengthen one's values. He practiced it all the time. And Potter gave John Murray a chance to return to what he loved, that preaching and passion for religion and for the welcoming message of universalism. In our more contemporary moment, we have Universalist minister Rob Hardy's talks about universalism. Uh, it's the meeting of despair and hope. Despair at how the world is and hope for the capacity within us and the destiny before us. We are all in this together. We are all flawed and we are all fabulous. Now, I appreciate how, John, how uh, Thomas Potter was kind of holding John Murray accountable, too, for what he knew could be, could be the message in this person. What can be emerging from us, but how we are tied together in so many ways. I 
think what Thomas Potter had was a sense of, in his, his experience of faith was a, a kind of internal compass, if you will. Um, faith, I think, uh, is a leap of moral imagination that connects the world as it is to the world it might become. Faith looks at what is and imagines what might be. It is a leap of the moral imagination that sets a course for our religious journey. I'll say again, faith is a leap of moral imagination that sets a course for our religious journey. Thomas Potter's commitment was so notable in that time because the theology, the Christian theology, was so based on people being condemned to suffering after death uh, that only a very small number of people would be saved and made whole and right with God, and the rest of humanity was kind of trying to act better out of fear of uh, eternal punishment. But Thomas Potter says no. He was listening to the message of the Bible, read by others, taught by others, and for himself, and says there is a different message here. There is a love that is far greater. Now, Murray's theology is bound on the understanding that we are all bound to the redemption offered by Jesus because we are all human and we are all bound as people one to another. Potter said to Murray, you have a message. You have the capacity to convey that message. Potter says, I did my part. I am doing my part. And you, you must do yours to alleviate the pain in this world. And John Murray did his part. He left, uh, he left the ship uh, and fulfilled his commitment and then returned and preached some more and then moved up into the Northeast. Uh, to be fair, he was offering a little bit more of a Christian message, um, more of the traditional message as he was trying to adjust to a new location in Massachusetts, finally ending up in Gloucester. But he founded a Universalist congregation there and encouraged the creation of what would become the Universalist Church of America and that Universalist Church of America continued until its consolidation with the, universe, with the Unitarians in 1961. And that marked, in the 20th century, the beginning of the Unitarian Universalist Association. So we have some pretty direct ties to this moment in history, this celebration of this sermon delivered on a matter of faith and a little bit of miracle. In this moment, in this time, we have a chance to rediscover a lot of the power of universalism again. Um, people are celebrating the history of this and living it at Murray Grove uh, this week and uh, next weekend. They're kind of really cherishing that, remembering in that history, and also coming to what does it look like for us today? What does this look like for us? For it could be our Unitarian Universalist congregation in Louisville that said, you are welcome who need sanctuary, who need rest, who need water, and you shall have our embrace and our protection for as long as you need. 
it looks like uh, it looks like other people thinking about the Bible in this century uh, and realizing that there is a message of love, that the message uh, of this salvation that was from Jesus really was applying to everybody. It was a truly universal message of the human experience. But sometimes that's really, really hard to see as a message. We struggle with how to be in the world beset by injustice, by systems far larger than us, and of which we are a part and of which we are participants. So what is our faith in this moment, this moral imagination, how to live in the nexus of despair and hope? I think we get to take a cue from the late Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And she said so much that is going to stay with us for so long. But she was telling us to fight for what matters. Fight for what matters most, for what makes a difference. I don't know if you've been seeing the images of people going by Ginsburg's casket lying in state, but it includes young people, children, girls, who have been hearing this call to fight and to, and to understand their worthiness and their value in this world. And they're holding on to that from their very, very beginning of their lives. It is no small thing to fight for what is most important to us, our freedom, our dignity, love, compassion, and hope, these matter. These make a difference. And we also fight for the fact that every one of us deserves such care. There's no one left outside the circle. We have to work for this as well, including for our own understanding and how to make the world a safer, more whole place for everyone. Even as we speak to each other, it is fighting for what we love, fighting for what we cherish most. We advocate for those in need as often as possible, as often as we are called to do. Yes, we are in the midst of deep, dislocation, separation from our beloved and from our usual ways of being with each other. And we are brokenhearted, past, nearly past despair by the amount of tragedies among us, and some of which we have perpetuated in our systems of how we've cared for this earth. Where are consequences for what we have done when we have not lived up to what matters most. And, and, we can fight for what we love. We can fight for that moral imagination to make the world something other than what it is, to make the world more whole, to convey a message of love and compassion. We can rise up from Elandria Williams.
What is lifting my spirit is that I am unbound. What is lifting my spirit is that I will break the chains. What is lifting my spirit is that I am deserving of 100% radical love, care, and worthiness, and I will accept nothing less. We don't fight to the exclusion of love. We fight to save what matters most. And that energy to show up, to keep showing up, it also comes from our spirit, our love, our passions as well. And our faith in our moral imagination that this is here and present and possible among us and doesn't go away. We get to save what we love and keep returning to what connects us and drives us. It's not what you're willing to die for, but what you are willing to live for. We are willing to live for and live out and live fully into this time and this moment. Let us embrace the miracle that started this message of love in this land let us embrace the opportunity to take up what we know matters in our heart because we know it makes a difference. And we take up the opportunity and the call that comes from all the people of the ages and to, from our children who are before us, who are waiting for us to do more for them and more for their children. We are here. We can do this together. This is our opportunity. Let us move forward in the greatest spirit of love. It is shared among us. We can embrace it and go forth. Amen.